Hi everyone. We recorded this episode before we heard about the very sad death of Steve Skeets. Yes, a talented DC writer whose work we're covering in, in this episode and indeed several others, and we'd like to dedicate this episode to him. Do you think Booster Gold's robot pal was named after him? Well, I, I do now. Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly show that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This week we are reading again from issue 417 of Adventure Comics, published on the 27th of January 1972. Now, if you remember last week, Peter told us that he wasn't going to tell us about the caption box at the bottom of the cover because it told us who we're going to be covering this week. And Peter wanted to create a little bit of anticipation, but of mm. course, me posting that coming soon advertisement from a previous issue of Adventure Comics probably spoiled that completely. And then we've posted the cover for issue 417, so you might have zoomed in and read. So for anyone that hasn't done any of those things... Yes, if you missed all that... Um, <laughs> if you missed all that, obviously. If you haven't been paying attention, you'd be living under a rock and only listened to the episode and actually looked at the socials or investigated the comic at any point. Peter is now going to read to you the caption box from the bottom of the cover of issue 417. Yes, a lovely yellow caption box with some striking text in it, which says... The new vigilante in Cop Killer, plus Enchantress of Terror Castle, also The Shining Knight. Yes, listeners, if you've forgotten, this is the glorious period of 52 big pages. Don't take less, only 25 cents when regular DC comics were bolstered by backup strips and occasional Golden Age reprints. We have said in the past that we're not going to cover any of the, the Golden Age reprints that are presented in any of these comics. But we will mention them when they're relevant. And yes, indeed, there is a Shining Knight story. We've met the Shining Knight on the podcast previously. Mm -hmm. And we will see him actually again, not before too long. Yes, true. Interesting. So, as you may have guessed, we're going to do the Vigilante story for issue 417. Vigilante, who reappeared in the pages of Justice League a while ago, issues 78 and 79, as we covered in a previous episode. This is the Golden Age Prairie Troubadour cowboy superhero who we decided, based on all the available evidence of JLA 78 and 79, he was on Earth 1, didn't we? Yes, that's correct. This version's definitely on Earth 1. Other versions might pop up at some points, but this one is definitely on Earth 1. Yep. It's fascinating out of all the the DC heroes that were sort of revived in the 60s, it'd be there in the 40s, that alongside the Spectre, Vigilante's one that really has the most sort of solo action, for want of a better way of putting it. Yeah, definitely quite a lot around about this time. Uh -huh. We're going to be doing, obviously, his other appearances in Adventure Comics. Eventually, we'll do his appearances in World's Finest. So, plenty of Vigilante to look forward to. So, we're going to jump into the story now. And before we do start the story, in my quest to make the socials as value for money as possible, I've tracked down a few pages of original art from this story, and I've even managed to find the scan of the original art for page one. Now, the original art for page one it has a little note at the bottom that says something like, colorist note, this story takes place on a very foggy night. Oh. Listeners, you have to imagine, you're in San Francisco, the seasons are maybe turning, a cold wind has come in, moody and atmospheric are the keywords for this story. So without any further ado, we shall dive straight in. We have a massive opening caption. Listen as the sounds of this cold San Francisco night twist about one another in an ear-jarring, ever-changing cacophony. Hear the wail of the freezing, screaming wind. 
the steady staccato clacking of racing feet, and finally, the piercing whine of a highly tuned engine. That caption covers the first three panels, the first of which shows two men running. One's got a deep brown suit on, an orange shirt, a black tie, and his friend has a paler brown suit, a green shirt, and they seem to be running down a very steep hill. Panel two, we can see them in the distance, running towards what looks like a couple of police cars, and to the left of them, we see a motorcycle being driven by a dark figure, roaring up a couple of planks that's piled up against some more building material. We can see a sign in the background. We couldn't see the name of the proprietor, but we can see a sign that says construction company. And in panel three, with scaffolding and construction of a new building in the background, we see this motorcycle is being ridden by the vigilante who has driven off this massive pile of timber and is leaping down towards the two men who are running. A whine that grows ever louder, becoming a throbbing rumble as tires screech, rubber burns, and confusion reigns supreme. The vigilante is drawn into a deadly drama as he trails... The, the Cop, Cop Killer! Killer. It's vigilante in massive letters because he is the star of our story. We are told that the art is by... Grey Morrow. Who obviously drew that excellent Zatanna story we did a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And a small caption tells us that... Story, Marv Wolfman. Dialogue, Steve Skeets. Now, is this the first Marv Wolfman story we've done? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Logopolis. I think it is, yeah. I think it is too. Uh-huh. Interesting. We're going to see some more of his work much later <laughs> on in the podcast if we all live that long. He may well be responsible for this podcast in a certain way. <laughs> exactly. If if he hadn't had that bright idea, then we wouldn't be wouldn't all be sat here listeners. We'd all be doing something much more useful with our time. Mm. Anyway, the cop killer. Interesting. The text there is placed at a little sort of police badge shield, which is quite interesting. The story resumes as vigilante and his hat's fallen off here lands on top of the two men, knocking them down. And as he connects, he says, "This as far as you get, boys." After you rest a spell, your next stop is the city jail. And then the man in the brown suit says, Let go of us, you idiot. You don't know what you're doing. No, I'm not letting up till the cops get here. Reckon we'll let them decide if I know what I'm doing or not. We are the cops, you imbecile. Great panel at the top of page two of Vidge struggling with the two men. His hat appears to have reappeared on top of his head. In panel two, two men have stood up. One of them is showing Vigilante a badge. And he says, We're detectives. Plain clothesmen, get it? We nearly had a cop killer cornered. And you just let him get away. I oughta. We pull back for a wider shot panel three. We see Vigilante's cycle, a couple of police cars, and Vigilante and the two policemen at Transpires are caught in the headlights of one of the police cars. Very interesting. Lovely work from Greyball. And the paler brown suit cop is saying, in response to his friend, Calm down, pal. This is the Vigilante. Try to look at it from his angle. It probably did look like we were running from the cops. So what? He had no right messing in police business. Even if we were someone on the run, he should have let the police handle it. And what's with this crazy get-up? You can see in the background another police officer in full uniform this time walking up to the scene as Vigilante says, Listen, I'm downright sorry. I've heard about the cop killer, sure, but I didn't know this had anything to do with him. Brown suit policeman says, Great. Five cops being killed. He lets the killer get away and he's downright sorry. Just get out of here, hero. And in the background, we can see the uniformed policeman trying to dissuade a couple of onlookers from getting involved. One of them looks like Burt Reynolds with glasses and the other one <laughs> kind of looks like crossing Jeff Bridges and Donald Trump. It's kind of weird. Gosh. The mustachioed chap with the glasses who looks like Burt Reynolds says, 
The vigilante. I remember him from when I was a kid, but I thought he had retired. The other chap says, uh, looks like he should have. First panel, page three, vigilante is riding off on his motorcycle. We can see some other beautifully detailed buildings and construction machinery in the background. And as he rides along, vigilante's thinking, wow, I've been in town only five hours and already I've stuck my foot in it. That guy was right. I did retire. And maybe I should have stayed retired. Riding down an alleyway, it looks like, in the, the next panel. Take a drink, there's a couple of dustbins there. He continues to muse. Still, JLA believe in me, convinced me to come out of retirement, gave me this new cycle, and I was able to help them. Didn't mess it up that time, and an asterisk takes us to a little caption that says, As recorded in JLA 78 and 79. Yeah, we mentioned that already. Greg continues to think, And if the cops are just getting around to cornering this guy... They ain't doing so good themselves. In the next panel, it looks as though he's starting to get back into civvies. He's removed the red face mask, scarf, hats off. Looks like he's pulling on a jacket. Leans against the wall and thinks, I've got me a killer to find. And I'd better find him fast before he kills another cop. Because if he kills again, I'll have me a hard time forgiving myself. Since it looks like it's my fault that he's on the loose. Panel 4 of page 3, we can see that he's now fully in civvies. He's a brown leather jacket over his blue shirt. He's on his motorbike, cutting along. But in the foreground of this panel, we can see a man kind of looks like the actor Patrick Allen, to my eyes. <laughs> or is it Ted Rogers from 321? Oh, yes, very much Ted Rogers, <laughs> I think. Yes. yes. So this chap is wearing a green double-breasted suit. He's talking to two uniformed policemen. And he's saying, I know my rights, Fuzz. I don't gotta answer no questions. Either charge me or lay off. We pull back for a wider shot at the final panel of page three as a caption says, Fisherman's Wharf. By day, a tourist attraction. Tourists breathing in the salty smell from San Francisco Bay. But by night, it takes on a different air. Vigilante's obviously overheard this conversation. So he's ducked down behind a pile of crates and we see him taking off his jacket. Obviously getting back into his gear. And the man in the green suit walking away. From the two policemen, we can see some beautifully rendered background art mm-hmm. showing some boats being moored at the quay. Very, very nice. And as a man in the green suit walks away from the police officers, Vigilante, who's ducked behind this pile of crates, like I say, is taking off his leather jacket and thinking, well, well, appears that fella has some information the police need, but they can't get it out of him with their methods. But my methods are my different. And the first panel of page four, you see the man in the green suit, who now looks like someone else that I can picture. The American actor who did the voice of Dick Dastardly. Oh, yeah. Was he in Bewitched or I Dream of Genie or something as well? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. he's walking along, and we can see the fog in the background drifting through the bait. It's all very moody, very exciting. And he's walking along, and he's saying to himself, So what if there is a cop killer on the loose? The fuzz ain't getting any information out of me. They got no right to hassle me, unless they got a warrant. In panel two. A white-gloved hand at the end of a blue-sleeved arm reaches in and grabs him by the tie, and off-camera a voice says, This is my warrant, cred, and if you don't talk right now, I'll serve it. What? Exclaims a man in the green suit, who then punches his assailant in panel three, saying, Don't know who you are, fella, but you ain't getting any further than the cops. And with an oomph, the vigilante, for it is he, falls backwards. In panel four, vigilante's down on the ground, the man in the green suit runs off. Final panel of page four, He's ducking down an alleyway, take a drink, there are some dustbins. The man in the green suit thinks, What's with this guy? I was too fast for him that time, but he's chasing me. Can hear him back there. 
Over the page to page five now. The first panel is an overhead shot of the man in the green suit, who's looking around, thinking... Phew, looks like I made it. He's nowhere around, but who was... And as he's thinking, we're privy to the fact that a rope is dropping from above to surround him. Suddenly... And in panel two, we see that the rope belongs to Vigilante, who's lassoed the man in the green suit and is now hoisting him up into the air. Vigilante's standing further up on a fire escape. The man in the green suit exclaims... Yeah! Vigilante says, This just isn't your day, mister. You're about to become an informer, whether you like it or not. Put me down, you've got no rights. Never mind rights. I ain't no cop, so I don't have to mess with such nonsense. Now talk. Who's the cop killer? As Vigilante's saying this, a rather feminine-looking hand has appeared at the corner of this panel, being a small pistol. The man in the green suit says, I I don't know, I swear, I don't know. And then we see that the hand belongs to a very attractive young Chinese lady who has put her gun to Vigilante's back and says, Your hands, Vigilante. Put them up slowly. I should not wish to fire this gun, but I shall, if I must. This causes Vigilante to exclaim, Huh? And in the final panel of page five, he lets go of the rope as the instruction and as a massive (laughs) whomp sound effect off camera as the man in the green suit plummets to the ground. Vigilante looks astonished as he looks down and says, Whatever you say, ma'am, but if this is a friend of yours, I doubt that you'll enjoy the result. The young lady says, He is no concern of mine, but my employer wishes to speak to you. Now! And a small caption says, Continued in second page following. Yeah, the next page is an advertisement, full page advertisement for the International Correspondence School. Mm. It's fascinating. You can take courses in civil engineering and chemistry and computers and plumbing and plastics and traffic and textiles. Fascinating indeed. So we're now arrived at the top of page six and a caption says, Out of the Bayside fog they move as they make their way slowly through the midnight streets and into the swirling, clinging mists of San Francisco's Chinatown. Yes, nice moody shot of Vigilante and the lady on his bike. Second panel of page six. They've arrived, obviously, at a very fancy eating establishment. You can see a couple of patrons in the foreground, a waiter bidding a tray in the background, a waiter wearing a smart red jacket. Vigilante looks back at his captor and says, Nice place, but if you brought me here for chow, you can forget it. I just ate an hour ago and it wasn't Chinese food. Be silent and walk upstairs. Only fools rant on, and we know you are no fool. Vigilante has been taken into, obviously, another room. You can see the back view a gentleman, thick black hair, and Vigilante and the young lady still pointing their gun at him, and another bald gentleman, obviously there's some kind of security, stands watching as the man in the chair says, Ah, it is truly an honour to meet the Vigilante. I trust Luan was not too rough with you. Permit me to introduce myself. I am Hai Chang, owner of this far from humble establishment. Look, Charlie Chang, or whatever you call yourself, I'm trying to find me a killer, unless this has something to do with him. Ah, and it does, Vigilante. One of the policemen was Chinese, and he was killed here, in Chinatown. We do not tolerate crime here, nor are we pleased with the police supposition that the killer may be Chinese. If he were Chinese, we would have handled him ourselves long ago, as is our custom. While they search for this killer, many policemen who do not know our ways have clomped around in our homes and generally treated my people with much disrespect. This must stop, and the killer as well must be made to pay for his crime. The camera's kind of tracked around the last three panels of page six there. We see the 
gentlemen, with a very 70s haircut, it must be said. And a fantastic wicker chair that he's sitting in. Yeah, brilliant moustache. Mm. Luan standing impassively in the final panel of page six watching. I'm kind of presuming that she's the daughter of Hajai, at least she's working for him. She's standing looking on impassively as he, as he speechifies. In the first panel of page seven, Hai Chang says, We have located him. If he were hiding in Chinatown, we would take care of him ourselves. But he is not. We have tried to talk to the police, but they will not listen to us, so... So you heard I was looking for him, too. Okay. Tell me where this suspect is. A slow dissolve, then. The caption for panel two of page seven. Soon. We see Vigilante on his motorcycle, looking up at a building. Vigilante is thinking, Chang said that this is the place. Stinking smell, worse than a well-used cow barn. Seems almost fitting that a cup-killing vermin would have to hole up here. There appears to have been a slight narrative leap or jump by the time we get to panel three. Vigilante's obviously gone into the building and has done some investigating as he thinks, Gone. Must have seen me coming and decided to clear out. He crosses to the window, take a drink because there's a dust bend in the alley below him. We can see a man down on the ground wearing a blue jacket, brown trousers. Vigilante draws his gun and thinks, and unless I miss my guess, that's him down there. Then in panel four, Vigilante recoils as a couple of bullets zing past him through the open window. Vigilante thinks, whoop, that pretty near clinches it. Looks like Chang figured it right. In the final panel of page seven, Vigilante has made his way out onto the fire escape at the side of the building, has jumped down towards his motorbike, thinking, it ain't exactly proof, but he's certainly trigger happy enough to be a cop killer. And as Vigilante drops down to his bike, you can see the assailant rushing off with his gun in hand. Gosh, how exciting. First panel of page eight shows Vigilante giving chase on his motorbike as the man runs towards, I would call it a tram or a trolley car. Trolley car, I think it's... Yeah, I think it's probably the terminology would be. Uh Um, We can see the thick fog still lingering around. The man must be running, either running very fast or Vigilante Mm. must be riding his bike very, very slowly. (laughs) Vigilante's thinking, someone tells me capturing him ain't going to be easy. I'm rusty. Been out of action a mite too long. As he draws level with the trolley car, we can see inside that the gunman has got the driver. He's pointing his pistol at him. The gunman shouts, Get back! Any closer and the driver gets it! Understand? This hasn't stopped the movement of the trolley car. Still proceeding along in panel three, the gunman hanging off the side, looking back towards Vigilante, who's still on his bike. Vigilante's thinking, Can't let him get away, no matter what. Besides, he ain't got the gun pointed at the driver. It's pointed this way. The gunman cries, I said, get away from me, or he's dead. Then the caption for panel four says, Bullets fly as the vigilante lashes madly from side to side. Yes, the gunman fires, a nice little pow sound effect, and the gunman cries, Stay away! I don't want to kill him! I don't want to kill either of you! You're not the ones I want! Vigilante thinks at this point, Gotta keep drawing his fire, so he won't think to turn his gun toward the driver. And with that, Vigilante leaps from his motorbike and grabs on the side of a passing truck speeding alongside the trolley car. Caption for the final panel of page 8. Then... And Vigilante uses the truck to launch himself towards the gunman, who cries, No! And in the first panel of page 9, Vigilante successfully lands on the trolley, pushes the driver out of the way, saying, Get out of here, driver. Fast. Jump. And then he says, I've got me a mad killer on my hands. Gonna have enough trouble looking out for myself. In fact, he punches the gunman, who still manages to keep his gun in his hand. Caption for panel 2. The car begins to pick up speed, tears maddingly down the hill. And it's a very dynamic panel. 
as the gunman strikes Vigilante in the face with his pistol. Good grief, is that a pistol whip? I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Anyway, the gunman says, I told them they'd be sorry. I told them. Well, who's he talking about? The police, thinks Vigilante. We move outside the vehicle for a point of view for the next shot as the gunman tries to force Vigilante back out of the cab. Vigilante's saying, stop fighting. We'll both fall off. You'll kill us both. You're not going to take me in. Isn't time yet. My job isn't finished. And he continues in the next panel. They'll be sorry for what they said once they're all dead. Just you wait and... S- we can see at this point that the, the trolley has collided and gone through a barrier and some traffic cones. There's a sign that says detour. So obviously if the driver had been there, he would have spotted that. Vigilante exclaims, Gotta get him off me. We're heading for that ditch. And sure enough, there's a massive... Crash! The final panel of page nine as the trolley comes off the rails and tips off into the ditch. Good grief. How exciting. We arrive at the top of page ten. Caption for the first panel says, The cable car plunges into the shallow ditch. The vigilante is momentarily knocked senseless, while the killer, unhurt, continues to babble. Yes, we see vigilante struggling to kind of get himself to his feet in the foreground of the panel. The bad guy stands in the background, pointing his gun, says, Even you think I'm crazy, don't you? That means that you, too, will have to die. But then, in panel two, we see a familiar feminine hand firing a pistol. A sound effect says, Pow! And we see Luan, panel three, raising the pistol. The smoke clears. Vigilante says, Luan, how did... And Luan replies, Chang became worried when he did not hear that the killer had been captured. He sent me out to find you. He, Vigilante interrupts her in panel four as he kneels down over the, the gunman, saying, OK, we'll talk later. He's nearly gone. Got to find out. Turns to the man and says, Why did you do it, man? Why did you kill them all? I had to. Called me crazy. Always been called crazy all my life. All I ever wanted was to be a cop. Something important, so no one would laugh anymore. For panel five, a slight change of perspective. You see Vigilante's boots as he stands beside the cop killer. As the cop killer expires with the words. But they called me crazy too, so I killed them. Had to. Don't you see? Don't you? Vigilante says, that's it. He, he's dead. And a slow dissolve. For the final panel of the story, a caption says, Soon. And a very smiley and happy-looking Luan, who's obviously got away scot-free with killing this guy without any kind of consequence whatsoever, she says, You leaving, Frisco? Vigilante taps the brim of his hat. You can see the shield for his motorcycle. He's obviously making a hasty retreat as he says, Yeah, heading back east, Chicago maybe. Guess I owe you my life, Luan. Still, I wish you hadn't had to shoot him. He wasn't evil. He was mad. Perhaps he could have been helped. But now, we'll never know. And the caption tells us... End. Well. (laughs) (laughs) That was okay, wasn't it? I really enjoyed that. Although it's got a very Raiders of the Lost Ark feel to it. And there's a lot of action and a lot of adventure. But if Vigilante hadn't been there, then it would have played out the same way. (laughs) Yes, like like the Doctor Who episode, Planet of the Ood. 
Yes. For the Doctor and Donna get revered at the end, despite the fact that everything that happens happened without them. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Nice and urban and moody. Quite mm-hmm. different to a lot of the stuff that we've we've done recently, really, isn't oh, it? Absolutely, yes. When was the last time we, we, we saw, you know, a building site or, you know, a Chinese restaurant, for example, on yeah, the podcast? It's, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what happened to the man in the green suit. <laughs> <laughs> The man in the green suit who appeared for two and a half pages mm. before being bumped down into the alleyway. We have no idea how yeah. high up Greg pulled him. <laughs> um, was he dead? Was he just unconscious? <laughs> Did he know anything about it? Did he not know anything about it? Could he perhaps have collaborated with Chang? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh-huh. The climatic chase was was marvellous, despite my torturous attempts to, to tell it. I wonder what happened to everyone, because everyone seemed to have one scene and then leave, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just very urban and exciting. Yes, I do love how Vigilante seems to have ants in his pants and can't really sit in his seat of his uh, motorcycle. He has to jump off it all the time. Yes. Usually as it's zooming about the place. I'm glad this is uh, mm. given to him by the Justice League, which makes me think it's maybe a bit more fortified and stronger than your average motorcycle. Because he leaps off it or onto it at least what, three or four times in this story. <laughs> mm. And I hope that when he jumped off it to to leap on, you know, to use the the truck to kind of launch himself towards the yeah. the tram, I hope it didn't then fall under the wheels of another truck. That would be bad. Fingers crossed it's made it sorry stuff. Maybe the JLA gave him a few motorbikes that were easily <laughs> on hand. Done. Maybe there's a few stashed in every city in, in America. Might have done. <laughs> but that scene you're talking about was so dramatic. It was great. It was literally like, because yes. you're not expecting it. It's jump onto the side of a truck to basically launch yourself off yeah so good grey morals are we have to talk about it it's incredible yeah absolutely phenomenal that point you highlight i mean that kind of gives light to the fact that vigilante was thinking that he was getting a bit too past it he's obviously still quite limber and quite agile yeah without a doubt this whole story has got 70s cop thriller all over it yes well it's taking place on the streets of san francisco (laughs) would michael douglas have walked through the background (laughs) (laughs) But literally that opening panel with the two cops uh, running, it's yeah. If you look at it in the lighting, it, it looks like it is like the French Connection or something. It, it's it's got that whole sure. kind of vibe to it, Starsky and Hutch, that sort of thing. And it's yeah. just uh-huh. it's all yeah, absolutely it's all grotty and grimy, but in the way it should be. Mm-hmm. As you said, urban is the word, and it's yeah. great. It's it's scaled down. Also, page two, I have to say, panel two, the blonde cop. And that picture looks like Ronald Reagan's had a die job. <laughs> he does a bit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very Ronnie. Mr. Morrow is very good at, at craggy faces, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, Vigilante on page three, panel three looks ancient. You know, there's it's believable as a as a middle aged adventurer. Yeah, I got a big DeForest Kelly vibe from that panel. Well, I was thinking Mike Pratt from Random Hopkirk Deceased. Oh yes, yes, I can see that <laughs> as well. Uh-huh. Oh, Marty, what's going on, Marty? That sort of thing. It's a very Western hero kind of beaten down kind of face when you see him mm. unmasked. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's great, but obviously he's, he's still got the twinkle in the eye. Uh huh. And the guy that uh, is roughed up in panel four, the two pictures of him at the top, again, it's just there's so much character in those faces. Mm-hmm. The second panel actually looks a bit like Colin Farrell's version of the penguin, the way he's reacting there. But it's, <laughs> it's just so good. And the desperate looking punch that he throws in the next panel, mm-hmm. in the expression mm-hmm. of his face, it's just, you can re- it's almost like you can feel it. It's like you are in a 70s movie or show and all this is happening around you. Yeah. You want some wah-wah guitar around you. Yeah, it's very different to what we're getting in mm-hmm. other contemporary stories. Early, 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 early on in our preparation, listeners, I suggested to Peter that we did this in this last week's Supergirl story in the same episode, given it from the same comic. 
And Pete was like, no, I'm not going to do all that editing. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> and also tonally, they're just totally different. It would, it would do a disservice to them. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it would have highlighted the, the, the point I'm, I'm getting towards is it would have really highlighted the contrast because this is, you know, the storytelling and the style of the, the artwork is just so different from the, what was going on in Supergirl's story. Yeah. Given that Adventure Comics is being led by Supergirl at this point and will be for, you know, the mm. next few issues, it's fascinating that this is where they chose to put Vigilante. Yeah. Uh-huh. You would imagine, as it's Supergirl, that the primary audience might have been, you know, might have been girls, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that this, as you say, gritty and grotty urban crime thriller contrasted with the, the out there, yes. trippy... <laughs> Two Ronnies-esque <laughs> sci-fi of the dimension of women. Dimension of female enslavers. It's fascinating to think they're in the same comic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not letting that go, is he, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating, even just for the sake of that contrast, it would have been hilarious to put them out in the same episode just to kind of give <laughs> listeners the full the full flavour of what was going on in, in the comics at the moment. You know, at this point, you were know, just the kind of contrast yeah. between the original material and some of the reprint material and some of the, mm-hmm. the other stuff. But we did decide to split it, so join us next week for our <laughs> coverage of the Enchantress story on the Adventure <laughs> Comics 417 podcast. Are we doing the Enchantress story? <laughs> no, Hang on, better no, we're look not. at it and see, are we? <laughs> Is there a parallel universe Enchantress involved? Uh, let's have a quick look. Some statues coming to life, some weird costumes costume ball there's a full moon in a couple of panels okay someone thinks what a massive confusion someone else cries look at that thing this is actually very exciting i don't that looks like modok that's terrifying <laughs> is this the origin of the enchantress it is that enchantress that's who you are now in this your other form use these powers well wow mm-hmm. that's exciting that's exciting this is a reprint of the first appearance of the enchantress that's very exciting mm, the enchantress of terror castle Yes. Yeah, gosh. See, that's, I think, you know, female-led character, that's more fitting with, with Supergirl, etc. Yeah, and the Zatanna stories, obviously, that we've had yeah. before, and again, they cover uh-huh. several issues. So It's interesting, that's why, weird that Vigilante, maybe they just thought that the girls reading the comic thought they liked cowboys, or maybe it was just to try and entice <laughs> some other people in. I don't know, it's a fascinating period, this mix of reprints and new short mm. stories that's yeah. going on, and it's, you know, it's a nice variety of stuff in this comic, obviously the Shining Night reprint as well, it's a nice, mm-hmm. quite a lot of bang for your buck. Indeed. Mm. So, with all that being said, let's jump forward to the same super female mm-hmm. letter column that we read out last week, and cover the letters concerning the Vigilante story. Now, there's not a huge amount of correspondence. There's one line in the letter from Mark Luck that we read out, and he concludes his letter by saying, Next we have Vigilante Revisited. I find this revival of dormant heroes almost too wonderful to believe. Gosh. And using top writers and artists on them yet. The cop killer was Vigilante at his best. There we are. That's probably fair. It was a lot of fun. I would agree with that. And, you know, and at 10 pages, it rattled by. Mm-hmm. It was very dynamic. There wasn't a lot of hanging around. Yeah. Mm. And there is only one other letter that uh, talks about Vigilante, and it says, Dear Joe, ever since you made known your intentions to bring forth a brand new Vigilante story, I have waited anxiously for Adventure 417. Now that it's here, I feel it my duty to say thanks for a truly magnificent performance. The new Vigilante is far superior in character to the colourful cowboy I vaguely remember from my earliest reading days. He is believable thanks to the dialogue by Steve Skeets. Of course, Marv Wolfman is a creative genius, and he clearly demonstrated this fact with a tight dramatic story, rich with background colour and mood. As for the art, that's still a sometimes thing. Grey Morrow is a talented man, 
but often in the past he's been given the wrong scripts to Illo. He proved to be mediocre in your last issue's Satana story. What? What? Sorry. <laughs> while, mm. while brilliant on El Diablo. So I was a bit worried as to his adaptation of my favourite hero. To my delightful amazement, Grey outdid himself. Cop killer was the best thing he has ever done. And that's from Ron Forte from Summersworth, New Hampshire. Ron, did you see that panel of the Justice League and that Satana story we did a couple of weeks ago? I know. Did you read that Satana story? <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> the best. <laughs> I mean, it looks. To be honest, I haven't read a lot of Grey Moral stuff. I'm familiar mm. with them, obviously. Mm. But you know, I think it does look tremendous. And as we've said, it's very exciting and urban yes. and very different from the standard superhero fair. But best thing he's ever done? Hmm, fair enough. Well. Editorial response to Ron is, Dear Ron, we sort of like Vig ourselves. And there is another moral vigilante story in the drawer, which we'll present as soon as the space permits. And of course, listeners, you can bet we'll be covering that right here on the Earth 2 podcast. Hey. So that's what the readers then thought. What do you think? Please get in touch with us. You can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media, because as David said, he's got some really interesting stuff to put up this week, as he does every week. I'm not doing you a disservice, sir. Every single week, <laughs> you manage to like surprise me with what you've unearthed from the internet since your own collection. That makes it all <laughs> worthwhile then, Pizzi. That makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, there's a few vigilante bits and bobs that I've sort of put together. I don't want to kind of put them all out at once, obviously, because mm. there's some more issues of adventure comics that, that Greg's going to pop up in and all yes. sorts of stuff. But he does have a world's finest team up with Superman coming up quite soon. So Excellent. there'll obviously be some, some more run about then. But yes, there'll be some more. Yes, there'll be a few vigilante related gems to watch out for. And as Peter says, do get in touch. Do let us know what you think. Did we make the right decision by separating issue 417 of Adventure Comics into two? Should yes, it have we been did. one big, long, messy thing no, for Peter to edit or, <laughs> <laughs> or no, I think, I think we did too, to be honest. Cause I think Vigilante is an important enough character that he deserves to, he deserves the spotlight. And equally, I think the Supergirl story was important enough to get its own spotlight. So not to worry. I agree with one of those sentiments. <laughs> On, On that, that note. note. I've been Peter. I've been David. Cough splutter. We'll see you again very soon on the, the Earth, Earth 2, Two Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. We pull back for panel three. Wider shot. We can see the vigilante's bicycle. Bicycle. <laughs> <sighs> we have located him. If he were hiding in Chinatown, we would take care of him. We have located him. If you were hiding in Chinatown, we would have... No, we're not we would have at all. We have located him for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> it has taken us a while, but we have found him. <laughs> Once again, we have located him. <laughs> Outtake number two.